from the team at CTS, this is the Time Crunch Cyclist Podcast, our show dedicated to answering your training questions and providing actionable advice to help you improve your performance, even if you're strapped for time. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford, and I'm one of the over 50 professional coaches who make up the team at CTS. In each episode, I draw on our team's collective knowledge, other coaches, and experts in the field to provide you with the practical ways to get the most out of your training and ultimately become the best cyclist that you can be. Now, on to our show. Welcome back, Time Crunch fans. I'm your host, Coach Adam Pulford. Motivation is a complex, tricky emotion that all humans, especially athletes, feel on a regular basis. Last week was part one in a two-part series where we learned some of the key concepts and latest research around motivation as it pertains to the endurance athlete. This week, we're going to put those concepts into practice. So I would suggest listening to part one before today's podcast to get the full effect as some of the practical advice that we give today builds on the concepts from that episode. Now, to liven things up and to bring the best practical advice to you, I'm alongside good friend and fellow CTS coach, Colin Izzard, to unpack all of this a bit more. Colin, welcome to the show. How are you doing, Adam? Good, man. I am a typical breakfast situation of a couple cups of black coffee, and uh, I think you normally pile on a bunch of pancakes beforehand, but uh, tell us... Something to effect, yeah. <laughs> That's that's a good joke with all of our CTS coaches. Colin's known for huge breakfasts, but um, Colin, tell us why you didn't have breakfast today and a little bit more about <laughs> yeah. yourself. Sure. Uh, yeah, my, my lack of uh, fine cheeses over poached eggs was due to uh, two, two weeks on the road with athletes, uh, which was, uh, as all coaches know, amazing and exhausting at the same time, but all very worthwhile. So I uh, availed myself of a few extra hours of sleep today, and um, I'm following the Pulford diet of uh, copious coffee, a couple ginger snaps, and uh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Living the dream. Um, I, otherwise, yeah, I mean, I've worked with, with Adam and CTS for uh, 20-something plus years, and it's been a, been a fun ride the whole way. All different kinds of athletes and, and uh, venues around the world. It's great. That's it. And, in in folks, yeah, Colin, Colin has been, uh, he's one of the OGs at CTS. Uh, he's, he's been around work with so many different athletes. If you're curious about him, check out his coach bio. That's worth looking at. Um, but it, it kind of in the spirit of the time crunched cyclist, we're going to get into this show because we have a lot to unpack with this con or with the uh, topic of motivation, but quick disclaimer before we get going here. Coach Colin and I are mere coaches. We're not psychologists, sports psychologists, nor do we have certifications in that realm. Uh, however, as a coach, we do lean heavily on sports psych practices and everything that we do. So consider this episode to be hopefully educational, full of tips that can you, you can apply to your own training. But much of this stuff that we're talking about is gleamed in, you know, reading research, but then applying it practically to our athletes. So we just want to share how we do what we do with our athletes with you today. So Colin, you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, man. Okay. So first question to you, is it normal for an endurance athlete to not be motivated all the time? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it, it comes and goes right. Uh, like everything, yeah. uh, desire for breakfast or not. 
Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's, it's all the same. Yeah. And we're not robots, right? I, I tell that to my athletes, especially when I first start working with them. Just like, hey, you're a human being, right? And <laughs> there should be emotions that fill you and those that's great because it can drive you to the highest highs and it can also kind of like bottom out sometimes. So just yeah. in your observation, I mean, like when, when do you find endurance athletes or the athletes that you're working with to be the most motivated? Uh, I, I think honestly, before the season even starts, right after uh, a season ends and you're on that high of either great racing or maybe not what you wanted but either way you're you're full of excitement and uh looking for the next season um i I think when i get people like that in that condition uh we did something right even if the race result wasn't what we hoped for they're still excited about starting the process again and they're excited about whatever the next goal is um i almost always see the most excitement at that point and, and followed by, I think the, you know, somewhere in that month or so out, right. When everything's really clicking and they're feeling good and the, the workouts, they're, they're not easy, but they come easy, I guess would be the way to phrase it. Right. Yep. And, and everything's spooling up towards the big day. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like normally uh, the, the turn, turn of the, of the year, right. Kind of January time period. I see a lot of athletes being motivated then. And then also yep. like if you, if you do have something big on the calendar when we're, you know, a month or two out, and, and it's like the pressure is on too. It's like the big workouts mm-hmm. are there and it's like, okay, here we go. And that pressure can be a great motivator and we'll unpack that a little yeah. bit more too. Um, but when do you find that athletes are not as motivated? Sometimes, sometimes in the depths of it too, before that high of, and the pressure kicks in, right? Where you're just, you know, you've, you've gotten through that, like you said, that new year's excitement and you're in the weeds, right? And the, the bigger goal is far enough out that it's far enough out. The pressure isn't there. And uh, maybe you're hitting some of those midpoint goals and uh, you're accepting some fatigue during the competition, right? As yeah. the trade off rather than the full peak. Yep. Uh, that can get tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I totally. And I think too, like we're, I don't know, we're recording here at the first part of August and taught taught everywhere <laughs> summertime um i got some athletes who are super stoked out of their minds are gearing up for leadville 100 the world champ super worlds is going on right now i've got a couple athletes there 70.3 worlds is coming up at the end of august in finland i don't know kids are either almost going back to school or they are back in school Vaca- summer vacations wrapping up I-, I don't know like are what's the current status of your athletes is it all over the place kind of like mine or Oh yeah, very much so. I've, I've got some Leadville and SBT people and we're, you know, we're, we're right at the tip of it now. Right. And the yep. excitement's high and the nerves are high. Uh, the motivation is hopefully high, <laughs> right. Or <laughs> yeah. should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, world, mountain bike worlds, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, but at the same time, like I also have some, or some athletes who are like, Hey, kids are going to go back to school next week. I just need a break right now. I just need to mm-hmm. not do my training. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, so I've got a bunch of those too. Like I think all of us do. And, and somewhat strategically, we said when the summer hits, let's, let's chill a little bit. So we tried to find some peaks before the kids were out and then they could take the summer and, and get back into the weeds a bit and do some, some 
you know, background training so that when the kids go back and they have a little more time to themselves, we could, we could try to hit the second round of events. Yeah. Um, and from a motivational standpoint, I think when we laid it out that way to people, it was a lot easier rather than you get caught up in it and then you're you know, taking kids to the pool or just you're on your heels constantly because they're around more. Yeah. So, I mean, like the, the point that we're trying to make here, folks, for, for those listening is like, oh, yeah, well, that's pretty basic, you guys. Yeah, totally. But we're trying to portray that like the, the athletes we're working with, it, it's very regular to have these these highs and lows and, you know, no big spoiler alert or shocker here we've talked about how a good plan helps to stay ahead of that motivation we'll we'll talk about some of the specifics there but the better you can plan ahead the more you can kind of capitalize on this motivation and so you got to be kind of flexible with the plan and i think that you got to be flexible with your motivation throughout that plan and we'll get to that here in a second there colin but um what I want to do is review a couple concepts of, uh, what I talked about in the previous episode and, and start with the self determination theory and self determination theory. Uh, those are the three components, right? With, um, autonomy, competence, and connectedness autonomy, just simply freedom to choose stuff could be races, goals, some of your training, uh, competence is the need to develop something, uh, better. Or more potential getting better at something connectedness is is the need to experience relationships with like-minded people and these three components can help you understand why you're motivated to do something especially in the in the context of being an athlete so coach colin to you how do you use those three components when you're coaching an athlete or, or trying to like write a great program for an athlete do you give them autonomy or, or what 100 percent. yeah yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'm a huge believer in, you know, if, if you if you haven't chosen the goal, right? I'm, I mean, there's always some things you have to do, right? But if you haven't yeah. chosen the bigger goal and have, um, you know, some sort of input in the process and the path, you're not going to get on the path and you're not going to hit the goal very well, yeah. right? Um so I'm, I'm huge on that. A lot of discussion about what do we want to do? And I'll give people my two cents, honestly. Like, hey, I'm, I want to do a, a sub nine Leadville, but I can ride my bike once a week for an hour. You know, maybe that's not the best goal for you. But, <laughs> you know, guiding them through that so they can then make best choices to have that autonomy, I think, is, is huge for us as coaches. A thousand percent. So folks, the, the reason I like cue this up right away with Coach Colin is because in in my experience, y- you will stay more motivated if you chose the goal. Okay. Like if the athlete imposes this goal upon you, when in all, like when you're in the, the deepest of depths, <laughs> you're wondering why the heck we're doing this. You're mo- more motivated if you had the autonomy to choose doing Leadville, to choose that Ironman, to choose the unbound XL, <laughs> which is a bonkers, <laughs> bonkers. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah. And it, so I think that autonomy is, is, um, a huge component of staying motivated. In addition to that, I have some weeks where it's like, Hey, like this isn't a recovery week. It's an endurance week, but you choose, you choose how much you're riding. You choose where you go. Like, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to look at all this stuff, but like you choose, do you ever do something like that? Colin? Oh yeah, I love doing that. Especially so, you know, we're talking about after races or where people are in the season. And, mm-hmm. You know, so say people coming off Leadville, they don't have another major goal, but they're incredibly fit, 
coming into the beautiful time of year to ride bikes. Yep. Yeah, choose your own adventure. Let's let's do that for <laughs> however long. One, two, three, four month, right? Yeah. And take the fitness and run with it and enjoy it rather than that hard stop of, hey, we're done. Yeah. That's it. They're going, what well, I want to ride. I feel great. That's it. Yeah. And and so folks, if you ever feel blown out like like, oh, I just, I don't want to check training peaks right now. Maybe have a conversation with your coach or maybe if, you know, if you bought a plan on training peaks or something like this, go off script for a week or two. And sometimes that can rekindle some of the motivation. So in the way of, uh, competence, okay. The, coming back to the SDT, um, it, to me, I mean, when, when an athlete is, they have the need to develop potential, this is this is really tracking performance. So power durations, uh, like peak powers, that kind of stuff. Um, podiums, right. Um, are we getting better at something, something like descending, climbing group ride skill stuff? Uh, I'd say generally speaking, Colin, we, we talk about this on the, um, podcast quite a bit, but like, how do you, how do you communicate this, uh, competence? Like the athlete is on track with gaining these skills. Like, mm-hmm. How do you track that? How do you communicate that? Yeah, so a lot of the stuff that that we can use through Training Peaks and WKO, as far as data marks, right? So, I mean, we've got almost too many charts in some cases, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Where <laughs> you can really look at it any way you want. But I think depending on how the person is best motivated, you can present some piece of data to them that says, you know, this is what we're working towards, whether it's it's threshold or, or whatever, right? And this is how you're doing based off of where you were and where we know you need to go within yourself to, to reach this goal. Um, and, and I think those are great tools, especially like the quick snapshot of like a duration curve or something. This is the end of it we're working on. We're making gains or no, we're not. And then assess that and have that conversation about what we're doing well or not. Um, and then the same thing for, for skill work, you know, whether it's, you know, doing a, uh, some sort of uh, clinic and working on it with them where you can actually visually see the progress or for you know, mountain biking, but they're, they're learning how to ride different terrain better, things like that. Uh, but all those things where you can put a hard metric to it um, for them um, or video review, they can see better positioning, things like that. Yeah. It's, it's very important. Yeah. And I think with the- and it's fun too. Yeah. Well, I think this is, this is probably one of the most fun aspects of kind of what we do, right? Tracking progress, right? Like, are they getting better? And yeah, all the metrics, all the charts, cool. I think the joy when when I hear an athlete is like, man, I ripped that descent today or holy cow, like we ripped on that group. I like hearing the, the, that they're gaining skill in the way of performance. It's, Mm -hmm that is huge to me, uh, when I'm working with an athlete. And I would also encourage a lot of listeners. You've got a lot of stuff at your fingertips, but the, the, the other stuff that the, the skills, like how you actually ride, like how you move, how you run, like seek competence there. And I think you'll have a lot greater success in the long run. And you'll, you'll, uh, untap some of this other, like little motivation that goes into skill acquisition and feeling for an athlete. Yeah. I agree. I, the, the, you know, like it or not, the Strava component of it, right? You're mm-hmm. going through a segment better than you were, yep. right? Relative to yourself or others. It's, it's a, most people have that. It's an easy way to, to do that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And I mean, mention Strava. That's, this is kind of a, a natural segue to the connectedness in, in some weird way. Strava has connected uh, the community mm-hmm. of endurance athletes and 
wildly crazy ways, but I don't know. Do you, how much do you foster connectedness? Do you encourage people to go to Strava? Do you encourage people to get out there IRL and hit the group ride or like, uh, how, how do you, I, I think whatever they're into, yeah, whatever they're into yeah. is, is the right tool. Right. I mean, I think some, some people I, I work with, they, they need that group ride, group run, whatever connection, right. That's their social outlet. Other people I work with, it's their quiet time. Right. So they, yeah. they don't need a group but they might look at stuff on Strava or even just within their own sort of anecdotal, I'm going from this telephone pole to that fence faster kind of thing. Um, But I think at the end of the day, you know, the the connectedness to a community of like-minded people is great, right? Whether it's, you know, the training sessions or going to that event where, like I said, you know, the unbound double XL, you get a bunch of people that are just as wacky as you and the guys all just high five the whole time, right? I mean, that, that to me is, part of the fun that then helps goes back to the motivation, right? That you're enjoying what you do ultimately. Um, Cause most people aren't getting paid to do this. This is their, their very serious fun hobby, right? So yeah. it's got to go back to that to stay motivated. Yeah. Folks in, in listeners, I, I really want you to hear what, what Colin said. It's like, whew, I use whatever they're motivated by, right? And we're going through these SDT principles, again, to help you track and discover what motivates you and and why you're doing what you're doing. Because again, like tune into what you're, if it's Strava or if it's that group ride or if it's like the big wonky (laughs) adventure rides, like you start to learn how you get connected with these people. And that's going to help you pursue better goals, uh, the right races, like what should I do when, and is it okay to feel this like that? This we're trying to help equip you to see and feel and answer some of those questions. So in the way of connectedness, uh, I truly believe humans are, I mean, we're just kind of made to connect even the most introverted of introverts, which I kind of am, even though a lot of people are shocked when I say that, uh, I, I definitely recharge like being solo. So some of those solo rides are, are very important to me. However, the group ride with friends and talking crap along the way, also very rekindling and motivating. You know, so I think yeah. you gotta, you gotta explore that with yourself as an athlete and learn, uh, when the dose is right for the social versus solitude. I agree. Totally. Yeah. You, you, and, and it can, back to what we talked about earlier, it can change. It's okay to let it change, yeah. right? You don't have to go to the group ride every Saturday yep. if you don't feel like going that day. Yeah. Right. Or if you want to go Tuesday, you know, that's okay too. Yeah. You know, to not do the workout. Well, and as you're reading that, because that change is important. And I think it's important now to kind of, uh, revisit uh, like the spectrum of motivations. So in the first episode, I talked about how there's anything from a motivation in sports ecology. That means that the athlete's not motivated at all. And then there's kind of varying degrees of extrinsic motivation and then intrinsic motivation. Extrinsic is I'm just, you know, I'm motivated by all the external rewards. Like I go to the group ride because I get the sprint point and all of a sudden I feel good about myself or, uh, right. I I go to the race, I get on the podium. That's a great outcome. Whereas intrinsic rewards are something where I go out and I ride for the joy of the ride. Like the experience is just pleasurable enough for me to want to do it. And I can engage with it or I can disengage with it and it's equally good, right? And it's equally motivating. So to you, Colin, uh, how do you, I mean, 
do you allow your athletes to be <laughs> both extrinsically and intrinsically motivated and, and kind of how do you foster that uh, in your athletes along the way? Yeah, right. well, yeah. I mean, you got to be, right? You have to be flexible because, like I said earlier, we're not machines. Um, you know, as much as we can predict, try to predict performance with all the fancy charts and stuff like that, right? You still got to come back to what where the person's at. So, yeah, it just goes back to communication, right? So if they're not feeling it one day, they, you know, athlete, they need to let coach know. And then conversely, you know, good coaching, hopefully you can find a way around that and say, yeah, it's okay to go do that today, right? Or, you know, no, let's try to see if we can do it because we're X amount of days out. I, I think nine times out of 10, I'm going to go with what they're feeling and say, that's okay. Let's not worry about it today. Because even if we're losing a little bit, from the, the training standpoint, right, whatever energy system we're trying to cultivate growth in or whatever, I think that gets far outweighed by the fact that they're going to come back a day or two that much happier, right, and yeah. maybe go rip off those intervals even better than they would have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, th I think, and that that's real coaching, right, to just be in touch with the athlete and uh, being flexible to adjust, you know, a day or two here, maybe a week there and then come back to it. And the more I kept on like working with this outline, the more like we were dialoguing back and forth, I came up with what I thought to be like a new term. I don't know. We can, we can trademark it together or something, but I was thinking like, man, we should call this podcast motivation flexibility. Cause it seems like with what we're doing as coaches, it's like, you got to be real flexible in that motivation, the spectrum of motivation. Once you identify what moves you, I mean, that just like swings back and forth, left and right, left and right through all the spectrums. Am I wrong with that? That's exactly it. Right. Um, yeah, I'm pretty choking about the, yeah, the, the term, but I think it actually is. It's the nice thing is it really paints a picture, right? So from mm -hmm. a simplicity standpoint, I think it's, it's very easy to conceive what that means. And then get into it and adopt it. Yeah. In fact, I mean, just like kind of in a joking way, I made my own definition and you know, for anybody listening here, if they are like a uh, psychologist or something like that, and they're like, that is actually a real term and this is not the definition. Cool. Like I didn't even know, it. but like, all right, here's my working definition of motivation flexibility. The simple notion that it's okay not to be motivated all the time and allowing yourself to feel the spectrums of emotion while being very, okay with this and that's kind of a terrible definition as i read it outline right now but like i want it to be simple and feel all of the spectrums of motivation but like the the, the biggest reality for this is I, I like before we got going on this podcast today i did exactly what you just said uh colin with two athletes Hey, I have this on the calendar today. Can I push it down? Hey, can I do an easy ride today as opposed to the rest day? Cool. Yep. Let's do it. If you're feeling that, yeah, let's do that. We'll talk about this afterwards. And, and I think being flexible is the key to success, whether you're a coach or whether you're an athlete pursuing your goals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just, if, if you press someone so hard that they crack, you know, right before the race, physically or mentally, you haven't done that person a good service, right? You haven't truly helped them in the end. Yeah, yeah that's right. And the, the analogy of, you know, a, a big, strong tree, right, can withstand a few things because it's very rigid, 
right? But as soon as the strong uh, stress comes in, the strong storm comes in, the more flexible you are, the more you can move with that stress and go. And that's kind of the way I vision it with, with an athlete. If you're more flexible, sure, we want to be strong. We want to be focused. We want to be goal oriented. But if you can't withstand the storm, if you're not flexible with it, you're going to crack straight up. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, yeah, and, and I think even going with like results too, right? right? Like they don't perform the way, way they want it. That goes in there as well. It's not just the day to day training, but yeah. you know, how do you, how do you adapt when it doesn't go well? So how do we turn the motivation in the right direction? How do we harness the motivation? And I, th- I think with that, Colin is like, first of all, you really need to get to know your athlete well. And for you, I mean, you, you've been doing this, what, 22 years, 20 plus years, 98. I started whatever that is. Gotcha. So what, what is it that you do? What's like the, the biggest thing in like the initial interview or initial interview with an athlete? What are the, some of the questions you're asking the athlete right away to get to know the athlete better? The first thing I say is how, what can I do to help you? And I just want them to open the conversation with what they're, what they've done, what they're dreaming of doing, you know, short-term, long-term, medium-term. I just want to understand them. Um, you know, I, I like to talk about as, as much as people want to, right? But like, what, what's your life like? What do you, you know, does the family support this? Do they not? You know, what's your work-life balance? Like, just understanding them from that side, right? Because, you know, then it's a lot easier to layer in the training right? And what intervals and all those sorts of things. But if, if you don't have a grasp of that person and what their support structure is like, and it's just not going to work very well. Um, and, and then I also am very open and adamant about like, we have to communicate well. Um, and if, if I, I could be the smartest coach in the world and if we can't communicate well and honestly, it's not going to work because you know, the, the motivation when it's low if they don't feel comfortable talking to me or their coach or whatever it is, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. Right? So that th- those are the biggest things I start with. All the other stuff, you know, talking about threshold or this game or that or FTP or you know, PMA and all that stuff comes far down. Do you actually ask them what motivates you or do you kind of like tease that out through j- simply getting to know them? I, you know, I've used different tacks with different people. Like a lot of, sometimes, you know, someone will just come to me because, Hey, I've heard about you and I don't really know them. So, you know, there's a lot more of that just being absolutely friendly. Hey, what's, what's motivating you to, to do Leadville at a right 61, right. Or, right. or whatever. Right. And, and then there's other people that I've known in the, in the sport community that we've just known each other socially for however long. So I understand them a bit better. But then if we enter into that more of a formal coach athlete relationship, we still talk about what motivates you, but I have a, a, a better base knowledge of why they're coming to me. I, I kind of do the same thing, which, which I think is a great way of doing it because I mean, when you're talking to somebody, I, I generally like to have that conversation kind of tease out. You get more in the conversation rather than just maybe a questionnaire sort of thing. Right. <laughs> However, you get, I don't know. We get a lot of athletes like the, the type A personalities, right? Where you simply ask one question and 20 minutes later, you kind of have all the information <laughs> you essentially need on them. Um, yeah. And so with that type A personality, Colin, I mean, like in the previous podcast, we talked about the, the dualism of passion. 
And passion mm-hmm. is just like, you know, it can be two things, harmonious passion, meaning, uh, kind of like intrinsic motivation where you can engage with it. You can disengage with it. You, you it's almost like balanced, right? Um, you're very driven mm-hmm. toward it, but yet you've released some of the ego around it. Then you have obsessive passion and obsessive passion is like rigid as we talked about before, uh, rigid pursuit of your goals. You're just full send going for it. And I would say that probably you know, checks the box on the type A personality types that we work with quite a bit. So the question to you is, you know, I I hear a lot of athletes say, I I need more balance in my life. And Mm -hmm. balance is a weird one. I've talked about on this podcast before, where does it truly exist? And in shaping up this outline, I was like harmonious and obsessive passion kind of like portrays that a little bit better in the way of, uh, who the athlete is or what to pursue. So the the question is when you're working with a type A athlete crunched on time and, and trying to figure out the balance of all the things, like, do you actually, like, what are some of the coaching practices that you use with your athletes that you can help share with our audience today in seeking that balance or maybe striving more toward the harmonious passion? Yeah. I think that the obsessive one is the dangerous one to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the type A person, and, and like to your point, we've got a lot of those folks, right? They're very successful in mm-hmm. their professional life, uh, partially because of that. But I say this to people all the time that I've worked with for years when I first start with them. You know, there's, for example, there's a very definitive path to becoming a doctor, right? You do this class and this class and so on. It takes us many years. And, and the, you, the human, are not that machine-like, right? So you have to be, back to all the stuff we're talking about, flexible with fatigue and motivation and everything else. So it takes more time, I think, but trying to talk those people back to that harmonious level of saying like, Hey, it's everything we've been talking about. It's okay not to do this today. You know, the entire season's not going to crumble if we don't do three by whatever, eight ramped VO2 efforts or something like that. Right. So just go ride your bike. It's okay. Right. Or take the day off and go to the zoo with the kids. It's all right. Um, I think that one takes more time to cultivate trust from that person in you as a coach and a practitioner and that that process is okay because it's so different than how they're wired uh, to operate. Um, but once you get there, you got to find, you got to get some success with it, right? Like they need to succeed at the event with that structure. And once they do that a few times, then I think they, they're still going to be type A, but they're going to, go a little bit more down the middle uh but it comes back to trusting you and that guidance really yeah and then trusting themselves that it's okay yeah completely agree and i think that a number of things sets that type a personality or it sets a person up to gravitate more toward the obsessive passion in the way of achievement right? Because our society, especially in America, our society, probably globally, our society, our, our society in the way of endurance sport, right? It rewards that obsessive behavior of some kind, like strive and conquer versus this harmonious, like, uh, balanced sort of, I can engage with it or I cannot engage with it. So I think mm-hmm. that that obsessive passion, it, I'd say as a coach, I, I, I use both, right? Because I think a lot of athletes are going to be that obsessive for a while. And there's actually some things that you can learn how the, how the athlete responds. Like when you're punching through hard training, like when you got to go deep, like 
being obsessive is kind of a little bit what we need in this sport. Yeah. Mental tenacity would be a way yeah. I look at it, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they, you know that that person can get through it because of that. Right. 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 Uh, obsessive personality. It, but I guess or they should be able to. <laughs> correct. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'm like cautious of like encouraging that because I, I, I don't actually encourage that. I think that if it's in you, if it's in the athlete, I'm going to utilize it during a period of training or overcoming challenge, all that kind of stuff. But I, yeah, I think that like the harmonious passion is the one to pursue. And I generally foster that in the athlete because I think long run, it's more healthy. It's, it's going to be more successful. And that's where I want to arrive with an athlete. And so mm-hmm. I, I think for our audience listening here is being able to recognize, right. That the fact that, Hey, you know, passion can be that twofold. It can be, you know, that super crazy, like <laughs> obsessive, which all joking aside, I mean, we, I'm, I'm guessing that a spouse has probably told you that <laughs> once or twice, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so that harmonious is, is what to, what to strive to or what to picture, but you won't get there unless you have somebody, you have to have somebody there to trust, to help balance you out. And I think that's what you're kind of playing on. I think that's one of the biggest things we can do for athletes as coaches, right? I mean, there's there's plenty of opportunity to, like you said, you can get an automated thing, whatever, but especially for what we're talking about with motivation, that it's okay today to not do this, or it's okay today to push through this, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, and then continuing that motivation the right way within the ups and flows. Uh, we'll get into some of these like, like practical tips here, because I think like uh, two things that you mentioned um, somewhat in the way of planning and then somewhat in the, in the way of like family balance. So in the way of planning, would you say that you kind of seek more of this balance or encourage people toward that harmonious passion by doing like shorter, more frequent breaks throughout the season or do you take like a big hard reset at the end of the season? What typically works best to stoke motivation? I think some of the folks that are racing a lot, you know, so like I've got some, some masters road guys, um, that they are racing nonstop, you know, every weekend for months at a clip. So I think for them, you know, taking like a bigger break at the end is, works very well, right? We might get a little micro break here and there, like, you know, go, go to the beach this weekend or something like that. But there's just so much racing going on that it's hard to take a week to whatever. Um, conversely, you know, the, the person that's maybe doing like three larger events per year, right. Then I think it's a little bit easier to inject a, like a, let's take that week after this, or maybe take the week after, like I said earlier and ride your bike however you want right? Or don't ride it totally up to you, mm-hmm. but then you can inject those blocks of time after each one of those two or three events. Um, or, you know, plan to go you know, skiing or something like that, backcountry skiing. And so they're still, you know, to that type A person, right? They're still getting a lot of fitness out of hoofing it up a mountain, right? But it's totally different than riding a bike or running or swimming or whatever. And, and so that rekindles excitement and motivation, but it still plays, I think, to that type A, like, okay, I'm still staying fit too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. It's just like changing the cue, changing the, the activity, right? You're like, you're moving right. in a different way, but yet it still scratches the itch. Yeah. It's a great way to do it, especially in the off season when needed, but I do the same thing. I mean, it kind of, it, a lot of this, it depends. I mean, that's the blanket answer for, 
<laughs> for yeah, I say that a lot to people, and then I try to you know kind of talk about why. But, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so I think like in the way of uh, just like reality, can you take a, a few more frequent breaks? Does it does it work into the schedule or does it not? And I think too, as you're just like stoking the motivation throughout, reminding the athletes like, hey, you chose to race thirty times this year, right? Like that's the goal. Right. <laughs> Let's rock and roll, man. And you'll get the break. Right. You'll get the break in October. You'll get the break in November, whatever it is. Um, yeah. I think too, like when you say, okay, take a ski trip, that kind of thing. I, some of this, like uh, a lot of us have families. We, we, we need to plan around that. We're crunched on time. And so do you ever encourage, well, w- with a family trip, do you ever encourage like a big training block during that time when, when they just like can go ride in Europe oh, yeah. or is it just like, Hey, leave your bike and enjoy the family. Like, what do you do? So I've got, I've got one fellow jumps to mind. I've worked with for years and they go to Hawaii, you know, once or twice a year. And so for him, we've always used that as a big training block and the family's totally cool. They sleep in, he gets up early, he does his thing, you know, huge rides. Right. And then he's back by lunch and he's at the beach or pool all day with the family. And for him, that's always worked great. And I have a few others that will do that. Um, I do the same thing over Christmas, right? Like we, we jokingly have this year, we did the 12 days of Christmas, uh, training camp. Right. And some people were so into it cause they were off from work. Right. And the families were into it and whatever, you know, some, and, and then other folks, they just needed that time off. So it's, yeah, it goes back to communication and, and setting proper goals and looking at the bigger picture to know that again, Hey, it's okay to take this time off and be with your family and, and put some money in the bank, so to speak, so that when you want to race, 32 times in a row every weekend, all spring and summer that the family's behind you. Cause you took that time uh, with them at a different point of the year. Yeah. And that's, that's just getting to know the person, right. And, and what they're into and what motivates them. Right. Like, Hey, I need that time with my family or yeah. I'm off and I need that time to ride and then I'll see them or whatever, whatever keeps them going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're getting to know their, their family. You're getting to know like the values that they, um, kind of cultivate or that they hold up in that family so that you can then do your job as a coach was is better plan, get ahead of the game, communicate so that you can either use that as a training camp or recovery period. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you the big question, Colin, and that is what do you do when, or if an athlete goes into a motivation or all motivation is lost. How do you handle an athlete when they're like, I just can't. Yeah. That, that's, that's the tricky one. Right. But I, I think it, it goes back to again, knowing that person. Right. And, and having had conversation before that. Right. And knowing that, you know, how to approach them about it, whether it's saying, you know, this didn't go the way we planned for whatever reason, that's okay. This doesn't define you as a person or as an athlete, right? Let's, let's look critically at why it didn't go well. So I, I, two weeks on the road and I had some amazing success with athletes and we had some not so successful ones. And then I would spend time looking back from my side, Hey, what did we do from a training side that did or didn't work? And then talk with them about, you know, how did the motivation ebb and flow? But I think coming to them, with some some discussion points right so that it's not just a well that kind of didn't go the way planned move on because that's that's not going to help them right um and then it's you know sometimes it it just fuels the fire and they're like "Mm, never again right and they just 
want to get cracking right back at it. It's like the uh, the Jordan series, right? When mm-hmm. I forget what year they lost, and mm-hmm. his his strength trainer was like, "Hey, okay, well, when do you want to start again?" And he's like, "Tomorrow," right? So in that case, he was like, mm, "Not again. Let's get." I'm giving myself eight hours off, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of an extreme example, but I love that as a like a, a you know, sort of study of of a human and an athlete. And then other people, it's like you know what? Let's just step away and and go be a regular person for whatever you need, right? Mm-hmm. A couple of days, a week, month. Um, we were talking about before we got on that. Uh, what was it? Um, I got it over here. The peak performance book, and I forget what year was the the marathon uh, Olympian, right? And he was just fried on training. He went, I think it was hiking with his buddies or something in the Alps for a week or two before the Olympics, and then came back and just lit it up. Yeah, right. So, and in that case, knowing that it was okay to take that time, and whoever guided him through that did an amazing job, or, or maybe he just pulled the ripcord on his own. But either way, it worked for his motivation to come back. Right. Um, and he hadn't lost fitness. Right. And I think that's the other thing too, is communicating to people that again, like, yeah, your CTL or ATL or whatever might change a little bit on here, but the the freshness you gain mentally, uh, is going to far outweigh that in the long run. Yeah. And physically. Yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. And and I think too, yeah. Like the answer is always, hopefully you catch this before it occurs. However, in my coaching experience, I've experienced athletes like this, right? And it's, it's something that, um, you gotta, you said it before, you gotta be flexible with, and especially when the, when the brakes hit or the, the, the siren sounds at this point, now you gotta be super flexible. You gotta go into Mm kind of unpacking some of that, identify where it comes from. Oftentimes it comes from some of this identity of, uh, they can no longer perform, Therefore they lose identity. They lose, um, connectedness, right? They've, they can't see the competence gained anymore. Autonomy is gone because it seems like whatever they try to do, they just can't. And, and you start to, you got to unravel that mentally and and you walk through them on on that journey as an athlete. And oftentimes, yeah, the answer is rest, step away, uh, seek balance, reset, do what you need to kind of come back and rekindle. Uh, but that's a tricky one. I don't, I don't think there's a hard and fast answer to what happens when all motivation is lost. I do think that it's also part of the athlete's journey and responsibility to, um, learn that about themselves too, like using some of these tools that we're talking about to explore, like what's going on here and the coach can help with that, but it's still between the ears for the athlete. Right. Yeah. No, they, they, yeah, yeah, it's exactly it. They got to own it. We can only help guide them mm-hmm. once they communicate to us where they're at, and what's going to help them. Um, yeah. Otherwise we'd all be amazing. Uh, you know, soothsayers and <laughs> <laughs> mind readers. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the, the CTS, uh, CTS stock yeah, mind reader over here, Colin, is there? Crystal ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, do you still have your crystal ball there? No. Well, I've got the magic eight ball oh, that yeah. I use to make most of my decisions. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's, that's been the, the test, stood the test of time. <laughs> yeah. Always. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, speaking of science, I'm glad that we can use science in the real world, especially when it comes to podcasting and coaching. Um, Colin, this has been an awesome 
conversation. I mean, I always love uh, chatting with you, whether it's uh, virtually or in real world, which we need to do on bikes at some point. Um, we do. Yeah, we do. But let's let's summarize kind of what we talked about today, take this thing home. Uh, but we first started out by saying, yeah, you, you know, an endurance athlete's not 100% motivated 100% of the time. We're not robots. We're humans. And this, this is reality. We also need to accept the fact that motivation comes and goes naturally. And so you need to be flexible when feeling those emotions and you're influenced by psychological needs that, you know, they need to be fulfilled. And we use the SDT principles to do that. Uh, Colin, you, you know, you talked about being flexible with your athletes in the way of uh, planning and just working with them on an individual basis. Um, is there anything else that you want to kind of add to some of that? I think the only thing you got to have fun, right? I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, if you're enjoying whatever you do, whether it's the process, the racing, looking at the gear and researching it, whatever it is, as long as you're having fun with it, you're going to find success. And, that, and that's going to go up and down like everything, but the general trend will be towards success. Um, and it, as long as you keep the joy, it's, the motivation will come back even when it's low. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, having fun, seeking joy specifically, it's definitely a way that, the way to do that. Understand that there's a spectrum of motivation out there. And, and that's where, I don't know, Colin and I came up with the term motivation flexibility. So stay limber, stay flexible. And, uh, <laughs> I think you'll have a lot of success, uh, for everybody listening to us out there. So, Colin, thank you again for taking the time to join us on the Time Crunch Cyclist podcast today. And to our audience, thanks again for listening. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It was fun. Thanks for joining us on the Time Crunch Cyclist podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want even more actionable training advice, head over to trainright.com backslash newsletter and subscribe to our free weekly publication. Each week, you'll get in-depth training content that goes beyond what we cover here on the podcast that'll help you take your training to the next level. That's all for now. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.